Hey, good morning. It's good to be with you as we uh, continue in our time in James together. It's good to be with you however you're joining us, Facebook, YouTube, um, email and texting, things such as that. So I'm glad that you've taken some time to um, join us uh, for our continued study in James. A couple of housekeeping things. First, um, I had somebody message me or ask me, what version of the Bible do I use? And I'm using an old New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, NRSV. That is the link that's included in the description uh, below. Um, but if you want to know the exact version of the Bible that I use for these studies, um, it's the New Revised Standard. So just kind of make sure you're aware of that. And the second thing is I, I started doing something Friday um, that I, I don't know if you'll like or not, but it really wasn't a lot of extra legwork for me to do. Um, and that's including a transcript of the um, of the video or the audio of this. Some people are uh, like to read as opposed to listen or watch. So I'm going to keep doing that. Let me know if that's useful. Uh, I hope it is. Um, you know, it's something that's fairly easy to do. So just uh, we'll be including a link to a transcript of um, the the content every day as well for a while. So um, so anyway, uh, today we're continuing in James chapter one. We're going to read uh, one, James one. Verses 9 through 18. James 9, 1 through 18. There's a lot of stuff here. We may actually, it's funny, there are some, some sections here we may actually um, spend. In fact, honestly, you know, you know what I mean, dude? I'm, I'm going to change up on the fly here. We're going to go 9 through 16 because um, um, 17 has got some really good stuff uh, that I want to just really focus on specifically. We're going to go 9 through 16. Let the believer who is lowly boast in being raised up. Let the rich in being brought low, because the rich will disappear like a flower in the field. But the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the field. Its flower falls, its beauty perishes. In the same way it is with the rich. In the midst of a busy life, they wither away. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. No one when tempted should say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by owns one desires, being lured and enticed by it. Then, when that desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Okay. Let's talk about the rich, the thing about the rich and poor at first, but then I really want to talk about this notion of temptation that we just read. I think this is one of the key verses in all the Bible when it comes to temptation. So uh, 9 through 11, um, we, we see one of the issues that um, James is dealing with in this church is the issue of wealth and, and poverty and how uh, apparently these believers that are in these churches were pretty poor to begin with, but then they began to have some more wealthy members and you see favoritism breaking out in the church. So James is basically telling the church, don't play favorites. And if you are if you are poor, then you should boast in your poverty or boast in your lowness for the Lord will raise you up. But if you're rich, um, understand that your wealth won't save you. In that culture, there was this concept that's in many cultures that wealth saves or our resources save. And James is adamant, no, no, no. What saves us isn't our resources or our wealth. What saves us is our obedience to the gospel. Jesus Christ in us is what saves us. And Jesus Christ in us produces a certain lifestyle of service to others. So we talked, you know, in the past about how James is adamant that we're not, we're not saved by our works, but our works show us that we are saved. You know, our our works don't save us, but faith. But our works show us that we have faith. So that's what he's saying here. So don't think your wealth will save you. Don't boast in your wealth. 
but boast in Jesus. For wealth will perish, riches will perish. The only God is eternal. But then we see where he says here, I love this, y'all, this is so big. It's um, verse 13. No one, but no one when tempted should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. And then when that desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it's fully conceived, gives birth to death. I preached not too long ago during Lent on spiritual warfare and what the Bible has to say about the devil. I think this verse here is so big. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. I've never been a big believer in the concept or the phrasing, well, the devil made me do it. I was tricked by the devil. Oh, the old devil laid a trap for me. Now, I do 100% believe in spiritual warfare. And I do 100% believe in evil, the devil, and demons that are trying to trip us up and, 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 and get us. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. The devil gets credit for a lot of stuff the devil doesn't have anything to do with. Our temptations come from within. Our temptations come from our own flesh and our own desires and our own lust and our own stuff. Now, there will be external temptations. I think that's where the devil comes is, or, or even demonic forces or evil in the world comes with external um, distractions. Uh, external temptings. But y'all, the Bible's clear. But no one's tempted by one's own desire. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Our greatest battle, in my understanding of James, our greatest battle with temptation is not the external forces that we battle. But y'all, it's going to always be our internal battles our internal struggles, our internal things. And here's why here's why I think it's so important to understand that. Because if my falling into sin is the fault of the external or the fault of the devil, then it's not my fault. If the devil lays a trap for me and I fell into it, then whose fault is that? It's the devil's, right? Well, if it's never my fault, if I never have to take accountability for my sins or my temptations or my own internal desires, if I never have to take account for that, if I can always blame it on the devil, if I can always blame it on the external, if I can always make it someone else's fault or something else's fault, then I never have to take accountability for my sins and I can never grow from it. I can never truly be convicted of it. I can never truly repent of it. If I'm only sinning or only failing or falling because of that external temptation, then I can never grow from that. But when I come to realize what James tells us, that when we are led into sin, it starts with our own internal desires. When we understand that, then we see that my battle is not always against the external outside of me, but it's the internal. It's from the heart. So my greatest battle, y'all, isn't going to be with the devil. My greatest battle is going to be with Andy. 
My greatest battle is going to be with Andy's temptations, Andy's struggles, Andy's desire. But when one is tempted by one's own, but one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. It isn't that the devil made me do it. And the devil may bring those external temptations. But we see here is that it begins internally. It begins in our heart and in our mind and in our actions and in our lives. Until we can come face to face with that, until we can understand that, until that becomes real to us, then we can never truly battle against it. Then we can never truly understand the weight of it. Then we can never truly overcome it. It isn't until it becomes clear in our minds that our greatest battle isn't always the external, but it's the internal. Then we can't truly battle against it. That's where the Holy Spirit is so important in this whole process. Because we have to give the Spirit space in our life to convict us of our sins, to convict us of our desires, to convict us of these things, and bring it to the light. Because once again, if I say it's the devil and not Andy, that I never bring those desires, those evil desires to the light, they never are healed. They're never forgiven. They're never restored. The more we can keep our internal desires hidden, even from ourselves, and we find ourselves acting on them, and we can blame it on the devil that we never repent. We're never restored. We're never truly forgiven. There's a great line that Brendan Manning uses, says it in the, in the Ragamuffin Gospel. Very true, very few of us truly think we're sinful. So very true of us truly think we're forgiven. We live lives of pseudo-guilt and pseudo-bliss, never truly experiencing the power of Christ. I'm guilty for my own sins. I'm led into temptation by my own desires. I'm to blame. Not the devil, but Andy. When I understand that, I can give those desires to Jesus and he can heal them. But as importantly, when I understand that, I can then go to Jesus and say, no, I wasn't tricked. I messed up. I blew it. And then I can receive forgiveness. So understand that we're our biggest battle. We're led into sin by our desires. So let's be aware of that. Let's work against it. Let's give it to Jesus. So I hope that we, I hope this is helpful for us today in understanding our battle against temptation. Hey, thanks for, I told you James is good, y'all. I told you James is good stuff. So thanks for being with us today as we unpack this. We'll pick up tomorrow. We're going to tomorrow. Um, tomorrow we'll do verses 17 and 18, just two verses. But um, good, 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 good stuff. So thanks for being with us. But um, we'll pick up tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.